come as usual, an hour too late. The pastor got up and said, Now, I want to introduce to you all the late Mr. Brown. <laughs> well, I have a lot of things to do, so I, I just get late once in a while, but this time I couldn't help it. It was because of the weather that did it this time. I can lay it on to the weather and get by. <clears throat> Had to postpone it, Brother Rose, just a little bit. And um, <clears throat> glad to have this morning here Brother Rose and Sister Rose and Brother Sherrod and the many uh, brethren. You find people out there. I hear that somebody tells me when it rains in Phoenix, everybody just stays in bed. <laughs> Such a change, you know. One of these days, I'm going to get a free meal. They tell me you can have a free meal every day the sun don't shine. I'm going to watch it today. <clears throat> Make them pay off for that. <clears throat> I was speaking last night out to some church. I really don't remember the name of it. And uh, so we had a wonderful time last night out at the service and over to Brother Outlaws and up to Tempe. And we're just having a fine time in this fellowship. And I'm expecting to meet all these minister brothers at the um, convention so we'll have time just to kind of lounge around Brother Rose and talk to one another. and That's what I come for, is to have fellowship. And um, uh, we had uh, looking up on our schedule and finding so many places, but <clears throat> I thought this was the grandest opportunity because I got to, to meet the different ones, to get to see them and pass along sometimes and preaching. Uh, Every minister is misunderstood one way or the other. <clears throat> Many times people take something that you say and it's kind of, it leans a little bit to them, so they'll say it that way, and then the next one gets it, it's leaning a little bit more, and first thing you know, it's plumb out of cater. <laughs> so so we, uh, many times in preaching, I kind of swamp down on denominations and organizations and things. Sometimes people say, and Brother Branham's against an organization. That's wrong. I'm not against no organization. <clears throat> but it's so many times that people just depend on that organization, you see, and placing their hopes all upon that instead of up on Christ. Right. They want to see how many members they can get to that organization. Now, that's very fine. I, I, that's all right. I think every organization ought to get every member it can get. Now, that's very fine. But when you come to taking the unconverted and placing more on that and you do upon the emphasis of the Holy Spirit, like Brother Rose was saying here a while ago and things, then you get... You get the people thinking, we belong to this and we belong to that. After all, we all belong to God. That's right. Now, if I've seen a man going down the river in a boat, and I live by a river in Indiana, the Ohio River, and I'm right by the falls. And it's a very wicked place and falls because it'll crash you up right now. And if you ever go over that falls, there's no boat could ride it because it's such about a... 40 or 50 foot straight down drop and then a big churn comes up at the bottom which is hits right on the rock the bedrock there and I guess the, the, the caps the white caps gush beneath the falls is 40 feet high see where it hits down flies up again and then it just goes right tumbling like that and goes down into a big key race that's about 60 or 70 feet deep and uh, in there is a whirlpool that whirls it around this way and brings it out and goes down through a channel. There's just no way of ever surviving, you see. A man went off here some time ago with a life jacket on. They only seen a thing when he dropped like that. Even that life jacket, that terrific current was taking him right under and 
Never did find him. Never know what become of him. He hung up on the rocks or edges down in there, maybe a mile or two around, like that, <clears throat> and always surviving. And if I seen somebody going down the river in a little old boat, sitting there reading, going on, and I go to screaming at him, get out of that boat. That boat will not be able to shoot those riffles. Now, it isn't that I've got anything against that man, even if I have to ball him out and talk real hard to him. It isn't I've got anything against the man. I love the man. But I know he's going to crash up. That's the reason I holler at him. Because he's um, not, it's because I do love him. Is, is the reason I holler. If I didn't care, I'd say, well, good riddance. Go on, see. If I didn't care for him. But the reason I say those things is because I'm zealous of the church. Amen. Uh, I'm zealous of God's church. And I, I do uh, hate to see it just becoming organizational minded. And I know that trend, that that's the way that every church has went to the rocks, right like that, right down through that organizational trend. Just think of the revival in the time of the Luthers. Look where it went. And as soon as it ever hits that, it never rises again. The Lutherans never did come back. Look at the Wesley Methodists. Never did come back. Look at the Pilgrim Holiness, Nazarenes, all the rest of them. Baptists, Presbyterians. They have a revival. And then some man raises up with the power of God on him. He starts to move in the Spirit. Then as soon as that man's gone, then they set in an organization from that, like the Moody Bible Institute. Fine place, but it'll never be like Moody had it, see. And the things that Moody stood for, they're a million miles off of it. So there you are. And uh, now it's all intellectual, where Moody had it on the Spirit, you see. And um, so you, you find out that in those things... Now, when I first started and come here to Phoenix years ago in the Pentecostal move, I had an opportunity to start an organization myself. The Lateran brethren came to me and said, this is it, let's start. Well, we'll be, be bigger than all the rest of them. I said, mercy, that's not it. That's not, that's not the thing, brother. You're, you're a million miles off the, off the road. God will never bless it. Read your history. Read the Bible. There'll never be another organization come out of it to come from this. That's right. This will organize and go into... The, it's in the lady of sin condition now. But I'll tell you, brother, there's no more God-blessed organizations to rise up. There'll be nothing for this. It's we're at the coming of the Lord. See? And God will take the remnant out of this big economical move that's gone on now for the bride, but there'll never be nothing organized spiritually anymore. See? It's finished. When I see my brethren, precious brethren, leaning that way, then I just pour in... The whole I got. And sometimes brothers say, well, Brother Brandon's against us. We're, that is wrong. My, that's the farthest thing from my mind is to be against anybody. I'm, I'm for you. I'm your brother. See, and try my best. And that's the reason I never joined any certain organization. So I could stand in the breach and say, Brother, don't, that's all way they say we belong to the assemblies. That's wonderful. The assemblies of God have been a terrific blessing to me. We're the four square. Well, look what a blessing they've been to me. We're the Jesus name. Look what a blessing they've been to me. We're the ones, the others, whatever. They're all blessings. They're, they're God's people. See? And God's people's in all of it. And when we get to associating ourselves, saying we're just a little better here than the church of God. You see? Well, we're a little better than the four square or the Jesus name or something like that. When we're just, uh, we might differ a little bit in the ideas. We all went to eat dinner today. We'd all take different pies. But we're eating pies is the same. Yeah, yeah. That's the idea. So the idea of it is that if, uh, if we can just see our fellowship. So don't go to leaning towards organization. Lean towards Calvary. You become yeah, dead. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. 
And I do believe, let me say this while it's on my mind, I do believe that an organization has played a good part. Or there's many times, brethren, as bad as we hate to think it, there's been things crop up among us and things like that that's been heresy, and people would just take those heresies and scatter the people anyway, and a group of brothers get together. That's uh, that I, what I mean going out like we did in the early days and all kinds of stuff, and, and uh, we have it all yet today. Yeah. See, just still a movie, and a people that can uh, bring themselves together. The real picture of Pentecost, in my opinion, when it comes to organization, is the, um, the church, uh, Brother Petrus, the Philadelphia church in Sweden. Now, they don't care what kind of a doctrine you have, as long as it's scriptural. If you want to see it this way, that way, or anything, as long as you have fellowship and live a real clean, holy life, there you are. That's good. And if you want to say that Jesus is coming on a white horse and the other one says he's coming on a white cloud... Look for him that way. Just go ahead and long as you live a good, clean life and have fellowship. That's the way. That's it. Well, now, that's one reason, friend, that I'm with this businessman's group. Because I know there's a lot of things in there that ought to be straightened out. But it's the, it's the best that we have. I believe it. That's right. I believe it. There's a lot of things that I have to say, and, and you, the brother here will tell you, I never pull any punches with them. I'm here as God's servant to tell the truth. And I've got the answer for it. That's right. Brother Rosa, that's why we like you. Well, that, that, well we can't. We, we've got to stay with this word. See, and just some time ago, I think, was you in, I was overseas or over in the island last year. And uh, they had a meeting and some of the brethren was bragging about in this great meeting where they had the businessmen around the country and they were speaking about... Uh, I had a little place down the corner. My business was no good, and I had a horrible time. And the first thing you know, uh, I, I come in to receive Christ, and and all oh, I got a, a everything now. Now that's good. We appreciate that. That's good. But prosperity don't always mean Christ. That's right. And we have to watch that. Now that's good. See, I nothing against that. But I kind of got after brother that night when we went down to the, the motel where we the group of us was staying, and brother Shakaran and all of us. And I said. Well, I said, brethren, I, I'm going to tell you. I said, I, I think you brothers are the finest group of men I've ever met in my life. But I said, the thing of it is, I said, I don't belong to any organization, but I do belong to that fellowship. With that, I pack a fellowship card with them, the only card I pack. Because it represents all the organizations, you see. And that's what I like. That's what I'm striving for. But I said, the thing is... Worries me that you, brethren, before those men down there, which are a thousand times more prosperous than you are, and then trying to tell them that Christ is prosperity. Don't ever try to sell them that. See? Don't ever try to compare with the world. Let the world come over on our grounds. Don't go off on their ground. See? See? You go off on their ground, we'll never shine with them. After all, the gospel don't shine, it glows. <laughs> Hollywood shines. The gospel glows. There's a lot of difference between glowing and shining. And so, <clears throat> now, and uh, I said, the early Pentecostal brethren that had something tried to get rid of it and feed the poor and so forth like that and went out without nothing, see, to preach the gospel, to associate. I said, now we're trying to brag on how much we got. I said, what a difference it is. And one precious little brother, after a few moments, he raised up and said to me, he said, Brother Branham, that was one of the greatest mistakes that people ever did. 
And I said, now look, brother, I wasn't trying to hint for people to sell what they got, but I'm just trying to make a point to these businessmen. He said, that's the greatest mistake that people... I said, they did that by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told them to do that. The Holy Spirit tells anybody to do anything, you do what He tells you to do. And he said, well, it was the worst mistake the church ever made. I said, why, brother? And right there before the man who had been talking to him. And he said, because as soon as the little fuss come up in the church there, there was a difference between the Greeks and the, and the Hebrews and so forth. said, those people didn't have a place to go. They didn't even have any home to return to. I said, just exactly the will of God. He said, how could that be the will of God? I said, they went everywhere scattering the gospel because they had no place to go. The Holy Ghost don't make any mistakes. It just doesn't do it. That's all. And as I was speaking last night, you just have to take a hold of God and take a hold of His Word and hold right on to it. No matter where it leads, you just keep following it. Keep it going like that. But I'm certainly a, a supporter of this um, businessmen's fellowship. In every convention that I'm invited to, I always go and speak, say everything that I can. Not just try to make up something to say that would please somebody so and so, but every time when I go to my meetings, I try to study and pray and fast and say, Lord Jesus, what, what could I say that would help that people? Everybody knows I'm not a preacher. I'm not a speaker. I, I'm Anyone knows that. I'm not a preacher. My, my message is praying for the sick and so forth like that. But I'm not a preacher. Anybody know that. Hear me preach. But what I do say, I want to put the punch in that'll do something. Not to say, isn't he a, a forceful speaker? Doesn't he use his grammar right? Isn't he wonderful in the pulpit? I don't want that. I, I couldn't do it. God never called me for that. But I'm trying to find something that'll help that person in that church be a better church. Help it to be a better people. Praying over it. Now, I was kind of talking like this because I've seen a few people still gathering in and it raining. That's the reason I was saying these things. Now, it's quarter after. And now, I want to thank Brother. I've known Brother Fuller for a long time. Always loved him in the bottom of my heart. And um, we have a lot of things in common, Brother Fuller. And so, we, I've seen Brother Fuller now for many years. And I know him to be a real, genuine man of God. Now, I love him. And I'm here this morning to fellowship. So sorry that I missed his night that went to advertise in the place here. But it's something I couldn't help. And uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. See his church nice. How God has prospered him and blessed him. And, and everything that he's done for him, I certainly appreciate that. May God continue to bless him and bless this tabernacle and and the, the board of trustees, deacons, and all the members of the church. May you grow and prosper in the grace of the Lord is my humble prayer. Now, before we approach the Word, let's approach the author first. Let's bow our heads just a moment for prayer. While we sit solemnly now, in the presence of God, with our heads and hearts bowed, is there a request in your heart that something that you have need of, that you'd want the Lord to give to you, that I might remember you in my prayer this morning here at the church? Would you just let it be known by raising your hand? Just keep it in your mind what it is. The Lord grant every one of you your request. 
gracious and holy Father God who created all things through Christ Jesus to His glory. We come into Thy presence this morning with thanksgiving on our hearts. And as we have drove through the rain, the winds are blowing, the rains are falling, we pray, Heavenly Father, that You'll pour out upon us the rain of heaven, the spiritual rain, the latter rain, and the former rain together. In our hearts today, we pray, Father, that you will bless this church. We're so thankful for it, for its pastor, for its congregation, for a, the, a place where the people can meet with a roof over their head and a nice, comfortable seat to sit in. We go back in our minds to the history of this early church, this early apostolic Catholic church, and see how they set on slabs of rocks or anything that they could to hear the Word of God and then kneel on the floor in it cold and rock and dirt and there hold their hands towards heaven and enjoy the presence of the Holy Ghost. Give them such a determination in their life till they would walk into a lion's den. Never even make a move but smile on their face looking towards heaven knowing in a few minutes they'd be in the presence of Him who they love. Oh, faith of our fathers living still, in spite of dungeon, flame, and sword, renew unto us, O oh Lord, such faith. Give unto us the great apostolic blessing of the Holy Spirit. Each one today that had their hands up, you know what they have need of, Lord. You know what was behind that hand, what motive and objective in that heart. Thou alone can supply every need, Lord, and I pray for them. Not knowing their need, but offering my prayer as a petition for them. As your servant, I pray sincerely for each one of them. That whatever they've asked, may they receive. Bless them, Father. And now as we read of thy word and teach this Sunday school class as it was this morning... I pray that you'll take these words and shell every unbelief off of them, Lord, that any power of Satan would try to curl up that would keep it from growing. May it go into every heart and there become fruit trees of righteousness, Lord. Faith bringing forth that which you have ordained your word to do, saying, It shall not return to me, boy but it will accomplish that which it was purposed for. Now, Lord, sanctify your servant. Your word is already sanctified. And together may we be able to feed the flock which the Holy Spirit has given us the, the tutorship. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, to you that likes to read sometimes along with the, the message, I'd um, uh, ask you if you'd turn in the book. And I got just a little Sunday school message like to the people this morning. Can you hear me all right all around over the place? I moved this microphone up. I'm just a little hoarse. I, as soon as I got down here, I took the flu. The devil tried his best to keep me away from here. I don't know. I 
believe that God will surely pour out something great upon this convention this time because Satan has done everything he could to keep me away from it. But now we're going to read out of Genesis, the 22nd chapter. And you that will turn in your Bible, let's read a portion of it together. Genesis 22, let's begin at the ninth verse. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thy anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thine son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its horns, or by his horns, rather. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up, all, up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said, To this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seeds as the stars of heaven and as the sands upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. I want to take that last phrase there for a text. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. That's a, a wonderful promise. <clears throat> now, we're all acquainted with this story. Perhaps read it over and over, time after time, of uh, Abraham and how God called him out of his country and how he was just an ordinary man, nothing special, but God called him and made him a promise. Now, I want you to notice that this promise that God made Abraham wasn't only just to Abraham, but it was to his seed after him. Now, many people say, oh, if I'd have been like Abraham, if I would have been where uh, uh, God had talked to me and, and given me the assurance like he did Abraham, then I would have, I would really have faith, Brother Branham, if I just had, if God had talked to me like he did Abraham. But you have the same promise that Abraham had. That is, if you are a seed of Abraham. Then you say, but Brother Branham, I'm a Gentile. I could not have the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham wasn't the natural seed, it was the spiritual seed. For the circumcision of that was nothing. Uh, the promise to give him before circumcision. But it was given to him before circumcision, and it wasn't because he was circumcised and in the covenant with God that way. It's because that Abraham believed God. 
And the scripture says that when we are dead in Christ, we become Abraham's seed. Paul speaks of it, and that which is Jew is not Jew outwardly, but Jew inwardly. Therefore, if you are born of the Spirit of God, you are Abraham's seed and are heirs with Abraham according to the promise. See? Therefore, every promise that God gave Abraham is yours. Because spiritually, you are Abraham's seed. And you're more of a Jew than uh, you would be if you were born in the Jewish blood and then, um, and then uh, uh, be an Orthodox Jew in that church and a denier of this precious Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you're more of a Jew because you are a Jew that is born of a promise from heaven, which God gave Abraham, and Abraham accepted it by faith, and that's what made him what he was. Yeah. After all, a Jew is just separation, and uh, crossed over Hebrew, and so forth like that. Now, but, when you have separated yourself from the things of the world, crossed over that separating line, and are sojourning in a strange land, a land like you wasn't in in the beginning, uh, with a people that you never associated with in the beginning, then you become a spiritual Jew. Because the same way that Abraham, by faith, left his country, left his people, went into a strange land with strange people, you have left your people, left the world behind, left your associates behind, crossed over through the blood of Jesus Christ and are sojourners, seeking for a city whose builder and maker is God, like Abraham was. Pilgrims along with him, dwelling in tents, churches, fellow citizens of the kingdom of heaven, heirs of all things through Jesus Christ. See? We have crossed over, separated. Now, Abraham, that promise is made to Abraham and his seed after him. Now, God gave this promise to Abraham of his seed would possess the gate of his enemy after he had tried Abraham, tested Abraham. Now, after the testing come, then Abraham had already been converted, we would call it, from paganism into God, and then God had given him, as the sign of the Holy Ghost, the circumcision. Then after the circumcision, then come the testing time. A uh, very pretty type here of the church. That after we have got saved, then we are given the seal of the promised circumcision, which is not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our circumcision. It's God's sharp knife that separates and cuts off the surplus of the flesh of the world from us. The Word of God, sharper than a two-edged sword. So you see, come right back again. The Word of God is the thing that the Holy Spirit uses. Not creeds, not denominations, but the Word is what separates us from the things of the world. It cuts away our ideas and things and wholly consecrates us to God. Jesus said, If ye abide in me and my Word in you, there you are. Then it isn't your word, it's His word. 
Then you see, if ye abide me and my word in you, you can ask what you will. <laughs> see, what it is, you're not speaking your own word. You're speaking His word. So then, the Holy Spirit is the one that takes the word of God and separates us from these things of the world. See? Circumcision, cutting off. Then you go through a testing time. Now, Abraham, after he is called out of the land of the Chaldeans, the city of Ura, he became a pilgrim, a sojourner. And then God called him after he had been proven that he was going to go on and take God at his word. Then what God did then was give him a sign that he had accepted him. And he circumcised him. And he circumcised uh, Ishmael and all of his household. And now, you see, when, it, when you are called out, first you go through a trial to see if you're going to really go on. And then God gives you the Holy Ghost, which is the sign that He has accepted your faith that you profess to have in Him. You follow me now? He's going to accept it. Now, I was talking to them. Maybe some precious Baptist brethren sitting here. And everyone knows that I come out of a Baptist church. And I was talking to my Baptist brother. And he said to me, Brother Branham, uh, he was a doctor of divinity, a fine man, real Christian. He said, but Brother Branham, where do you get that baptism of the Holy Spirit being anything different than faith in Christ Jesus? I said, it is different, my precious brother. He said, don't you think that when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit? I said, correctly. But I said, you see, you're only professing that you have received Christ until He recognizes it. He said, Brother Branham, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. I said, yes. But God gave him a sign that he had received his faith when He gave him the seal of circumcision. That he had recognized his faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Now when we receive Christ as our Savior, then if we're sincere in that, then God gives us a sign that he has received our faith in Christ by giving us the seal of circumcision, which is the Holy Ghost. That's a seal of circumcision. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of your redemption. Not to the next meeting, but to the day of your redemption. That's right. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.30. Now, that's how we receive the Holy Ghost. Now, if you say, oh, I'm a believer. And God's never given you the Holy Ghost yet. He's never recognized it. You're just confessing that you believe. But when all the doubt... I'm not saying you're not a believer now. In a certain portion, you are a believer. But when God has found favor, you found favor with Him, rather. And... He recognizes you to be His child and He knows your heart and He sees your sincerity. He knows all things are cut away from you. Then He seals you into the kingdom of God by the Holy Ghost, proving to the world that He has accepted what faith you've professed to have in Him. Get it now? Now, immediately after that comes the temptation. Every son that cometh to God must first be chastened, tried. Jesus, as soon as he received 
the fullness of the Spirit on the river when John baptized him, immediately the devil took him into the wilderness to go through a time of temptation. But when he took the Word of God and overcome the devil, it is written, it is written, he came back out then ready for his ministry. And that's the way God did Abraham. Now, God, after calling him out of his land and he separated himself from his land, his people, and then God gave him the seal of circumcision, then gave him the son, then he went down to that final test. Right down to the time he had to offer his own son Isaac for a sacrifice, and he said, seeing that you spared not your only son, I know that you love me. He gave him that test. Then immediately, after that, the battle was won then. He said, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. Amen. I like that. Shall possess the gate of his enemy. We'll get to that final point just in a few moments, the Lord willing. Now he found the, the Abraham faithful. After he found Abraham faithful, then he gave him the promise of possessing the gate of the enemy. Now, there are a lot of times where many of us Pentecostals have made a mistake and think, well, the Holy Ghost poured out on me. Glory to God, that's all I have to have. No, sir. You're just then getting started. <laughs> you, it's not then. It's your test and your trial. Just like we find in, in, over in the, the, the Old Testament, testing, trying, and then placing a son, adoption, Placing the son, after he's already a son, been born into to the family, he's a son, then he would be tested and tried and raised up by tutors and see how he comes out. And then he's placed positionally equal almost to his father. Now that's what it is today. We've had about 40 years of testing of Pentecost or more. See, testing the church, seeing where they're going to stand or not, seeing what you, and see, that's where I get it again. Instead of holding on to the cross and to the Word and moving on, we become fashioned after the world. Dropping this way or dropping this way or pattern after this. And I've always uh, spoke so hard against people in this modern trend today. The women cutting their hair and, and the man carrying on and everything and just wearing immoral clothes and things. And I get so much criticism over that. But what is it? It's trying to save that church. Right. He's trying to get him up here to the Word of God regardless of what the other world has to say about it. Amen. Stay with God's Word. Amen. 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 See, the thing of it is, like I was saying last night, the Pentecostals are waiting for a Russian mighty wind, but they fail to hear that still small voice. That, that's wrong to do those things. They think as long as the winds are rushing, all right. But that didn't attract their prophet's attention. The Russian wind never bothered the prophet Elijah in the cave. The mighty thunders and lightnings and pouring down never attracted him all. But what a startled him was that still small voice. That's something speaking with inside. My word is truth. Let every man's word be a lie. Mine be true. That's what attracted the prophet. And he'll still do it. The word of God always attracts that spiritual mind. Because it is the mind of Christ in you that knows that that word is true. And you go through a testing time. The church goes through a testing time. Each individual goes through a testing time. 
before it can ever possess the gate of the enemy. Abraham went through it. Christ went through it. After Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit, there's the river of Jordan. He went through a testing time. After Abraham was called out, put into his land where he's to be a pilgrim, then give circumcision, and God met him time after time, yet he had to go through the time of testing. Every seed of Abraham does the same thing. Abraham and his seed. Our organization, a church, that's the reason we find our organizations falling by the wayside. Is because when it comes to the test, what test? God's Word. There's a test. God's Word is a test. Will we do what a bunch of men says do or will we do what God says do? That's the difference. There come the days of Dwight Moody, the days of Finney, Sankey, Knox, Calvin, Spurgeon, all the rest of them, those spiritual men, that organizations followed after them. They've got up a bunch of men back there that cut their ways into it, each one believing this and that and adding a little here and taking a little away there and adding a little here. So finally they made an organization out of it. And when they do, the real true believer, God comes right around and picks up some little humble person, breaks that thing to pieces. Right. Always done it. God doesn't change. Just tears that thing to pieces. Some spiritual-minded people who stay right with that word. Let me tell you, I got a letter home of one of the finest churches, big organizations in the Pentecostal move. That poor broken-hearted woman wrote me a letter. And she said, Brother Branham, I had uh, wore long hair and had a bun on the back of my head. She said, in the, my husband liked it. And she said, we moved from the city where we had a church that was real spiritual into where this big church, the first church of the city, and said, when we got in there, all the Pentecostal sisters had cut off their hair and said they got after me about it. And I said, no, no, I believe the Bible says for us not to do that. It's dishonorable to do that. And so she just said, and they kept the laugh at her, say, hey, you're... Your tar's going flat on the back. You're spare. And all I got, it got after my husband in such a way till I, he forced me to cut my hair and said, I've been condemned ever since. Amen. Think of it. A Pentecostal church that's supposed to stand for the Word of God. That's where your organization takes you to. Right? They fail to hear that still small voice of the Word that calls them to the truth. They're all listening for Russian mighty winds and a lot of shouting and dancing saying they got power. That's all right. I believe in that too. But brother, when you can dance and shout and then turn around and deny the Word of God and live like the world, there's something wrong somewhere. Right. The Spirit of God comes down in that still small voice and directs you right straight to Calvary where we are dead in our lives and sitting God through Christ and sealed by the Holy Ghost. Then that word alone lives there. Then if you abide me in my word and you ask what you will, and it'll be given to you. There's the difference. <clears throat> I hope I don't appear to you as a fanatic. If I am, I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant of it. I, I believe that God's word is truth. And it must abide right here. And if it abides here, it will show itself outwardly. It's got to. Your life, your whole makeup will be different. 
So when God gave Abraham the test, he comes through 100%. And when God cannot give an organization a test, because it's all mixed up. God don't deal in that way with organizations. He don't deal with nations. In the Gentile race, he took a people out of the Gentiles. Israel, he took a nation. But in the Gentiles, he took a people out of the Gentiles for his name's sake. So you see, it's not an organ. It's not an organization. It's an individual he takes out of the Gentile. And when the test comes, you see what happens. We did come out for justification. We did receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the Pentecostal movement. But when it comes to the test time, get polished scholars. Wants to be like the world, just like it was in the days of Wesley's movement and all the rest of them. They go to school. They, uh, they learn science. And they learn all these other kind of things that uh, goes along with education. And they try to learn psychology. Just the best thing. Well, don't say this. Let them do this and that because it'll... See, you're accumulating and building. Your, your, your objective is wrong. Your motive is wrong. You're building to an organization instead of building to Calvary. How can you build a Calvary without coming by the way of the Word? For we are washed by the water of the Word. Ye abide me and my words in you. Then ask what you will. That's where we see the defeat of the Pentecostal movement. Because to get away from the Word. The Word will say one thing. They'll try to make that organization come in there somewhere. And they'll walk right away from that Word and take it right in with the organization. And you see where it's gone to? It's almost like the rest of the churches. But then we dance and shout and speak in tongues and jump up and down. That's all right. The organization's all right. I hope I've made myself clear. But the thing is that still small voice of the Word speaking for us. That's it. You go through a test. God tests you like He did Abraham. He tests Abraham's seed after him. And now the reason we don't possess the gate of the enemy... The reason there's so much among us is because that we're not able to stand the test. And let me tell you something. The test of the Word is right. The reason that we do not have and we never will have in the organization. I think Pentecost has got some fine organizations. Some of the finest men lives on the face of the earth belongs in them organizations. The assemblies of God. I got friends in there in my a brother out there in Indiana. I'm going to to have a meeting. I believe way right away. Brother Roy Weed. He's a district man of the state of Indiana. I believe that to be a godly man. Yet he's a district man of the assemblies of God. Four square? Oh my! How many Ralph McPherson and many of those brothers who are godly men? Nothing on their lives. They're a good man. Over into the oneness, uh, what they call themselves oneness, or no, I don't think you call it the Jesus Name Church. Jack Moore is calling one out of, a, out of these hundreds of them. Fine man. Good man. Godly man. But the thing of it is, brother, is this. When you hang to that organization, see, God takes those organizations in, and they're everyone fallen. Look at them. Whirliness. 
creeping in. Look at their women. Look at their men. Look at their conditions. I can point you siblings of God. People have got deacons on their board that's married two or three times. Preachers. Carrying on. Women with their hair cut, wearing shorts, makeup, and still professing to have the Holy Ghost depending on the evidence of speaking in tongues or jumping up and down or shouting. They fail that still small voice of the Word. That Word keeps you balanced to the cross. That's where it lays. That's why we don't have genuine prophets in the church today like Agabus. That's why the church today, they, they hardly respect speaking in tongues when somebody speaks. Because you heard so much bogus and carry on, though they don't know what is right and wrong in them. Interpretations are just merely illusions. Somebody just saying something because he feels led. That's not interpretation. Interpretation not somebody standing and speaking in tongues, another get up in a few minutes and interpret what he said. When one's a speaking, the other's interpreting right there, saying word by word, same expression, everything the same. This man might be prophesying, but it is interpretation. Some of them, this kind of a voice, giving something, this back here, giving something else, and some say 10 words, and others say 50 words behind it for an interpretation. Interpret means to say word by word. If it's a word of God, it's got to come word by word. Line up on line, line up on line. That's the way the word's got to come. But what have we seen so much bogus? And they did that in order, instead of staying with the Word, they popped that down there. As soon as a man did that, they called him a Pentecostal. And you know what happens? When the test comes, the testing time, then the seed begins, it shows which is seed and which is not. Now, regardless of what took place, Abraham stayed with the Word, the promise. But today, the organization can't do that. And some of you precious brothers that belong to those organizations, you disagree with them once. You know where you're going. <laughs> how many of you, and I don't want to say in this building now, but how many have been in my study, how many have been with me and said, Brother Brown, we know that's the truth, but if we're kicked out here, what are we going to do? Brother... <laughs> What are we going to do? Hang the Calvary, hang to the promise, hang to the cross, regardless. And over in there, they got some of the finest man. See, but what I'm trying to do is to say that has got to fail. It always has failed. It always will fail. But it's whether you fail or not with God. Keep God's word and His promise first. You'll be tested by it. You'll sign papers that you'll do this or do that. Even against the Word, you'll still sign it. That's right. In your heart, you know it's wrong. That's that still, small voice speaking. That Word. No wonder we can't move on because what something's happened. You separate yourself from that still, small voice. You run out too quick. God was calling you. But you run out too quick because the thunders roared. The lightning flashed. The mountain shook. It never moved Elijah, that prophet. He wanted that voice first. He said, I'll lay right here. So many of these start off healing services. Carnal in comparisons. All kinds of things and sensations that never even appeared in the Word of God. That's right. What is it? 
We ought to sing that song, They That Wait Upon the Lord. Let me humble my pride and call on your name. Let me wait, Lord, till I hear that still, small voice. And that voice will be a scriptural voice. It will speak exactly with the Word. All right. Found Abraham after he had been put, called out, separated from his loved ones, from his family, from his home for his kindred, into a strange land. By faith he did that. Then because he did it, God gave him circumcision to prove that he was God's son. And he believed in him because he's believing the promise. Yet he couldn't, he didn't see it natural, but he professed anything contrary to God's word was a lie. No matter how much evidence come up, it's still a lie. I hate to say this, but I'm going to have to. Look, and when you take women, I'll say for one thing, that's visible can see, that claim to have the Holy Ghost and not decent enough to leave their hair grow, there's something wrong somewhere. A woman that will put on a garment that pertains to a man and wear it when the Bible says it's an abomination to a to God for a woman to wear a garment pertains to a man, and then you claim to have the Holy Ghost and do that? I spoke on that one day in Oregon. There's a woman wrote me a great big letter. She said, Brother Branham, you've got a wonderful ministry, but you're sure ruining it. <laughs> she said, now what about, said, I wear overhauls all the time. said, what about going out in the garden to pick some, some garden? And with a dress on. Don't you think it looked much better with uh, overhauls on and it would be, or dungarees or what it is, uh, and have a dress on? And said, look, I ride up into the mountains with the boys when they go up to herd the cattle. And said, I get in a mosquito-invested area. Said, now, with, uh, with a dress on, they'd eat me up. With overhauls, they don't bother me. I said, that's thinner than the broth made out of a shadow of a chicken that starved to death. Mercy, I ain't got one word of God about that. That's your own opinion. God said that every word be a lie and his be true. My wife wears dress she picks in the garden. She has no trouble about it. And anyhow, a woman ain't got no business with a bunch of men out there herding up cattle anyhow. She's already been in the kitchen where she belongs. That's right. They're just trying to find an excuse, but there's none. God's word's pain. And a woman that's born of the Spirit of God and a man that's born of the Spirit of God won't let his wife act like that. What did he say? She that take, cuts her hair dishonors her head and her husband is her head. She's dishonorable. I better shut up. All right. Now, see. See. That's enough to you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I don't say that through malice. If I say that through malice, God have mercy on my sinful heart. Let me get out here this altar and repent. I'm saying it because, friends, I love you. And I'm trying to tell you what's the truth, and that's God's Word. we got to hear that small voice of God to measure up to the Word. We're going through a time of testing. Hallelujah. Did you realize? That after that testing time come, that tutorship of that son that was born into a denominational family, if he stood the test and remained with the father's desire, then that boy was taken out and uh, he was put on a garment. And then uh, there's a ceremony said. And that boy was placed then into the family to which he was born in. 
That's what's the matter with our Pentecostals today. They just jump here and there and our organizations are pulling this way and that way. They don't stay with the Word. If you'll stay with the Word, then God seeing if He abide me and my Word in you, his, yeah. He cannot deny it. It's His Word. Then there'll be a time sometime where you'll be taken out and set aside and be given something that's genuine. Yeah. Hallelujah. Power of the Almighty God, which God's waiting for His children. But they just won't line up. When they come to that testing time, will you accept it? Uh, well, the church will put me out. All right, there you are. Then go, that's not Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed doesn't act like that. Abraham's seed, now I don't care what come contrary to Abraham, he stayed right with that word of promise. Just stayed right with it. No matter how Sarah come, others come, different ones come, everything, he counted it as though it was, and he looked, he believed that he could see the promise because God promised it to him, and that was all there was to it. It was God's word stayed right in him. Then he give him that final test. I'll give him a double portion of trial. Now he's already got the son. He sees he got that. But now I'll tell him to take that son up and kill it. And let that son, when he sees, will he kill that son? I'll try him now. Abraham, true to the word. How, when you receive the promise, how are you going to stop the thing? How, how are you going to how are you going to ever expect to be a father of nations? And here you are, 115 years old. Now, a little Isaac, about 14, 15 years old. How are you going to be a father of nation when you're 115 years old? Here's your only child, and you're destroying your only evidence that you have. Amen. How am I going to make it if I get out of my organization? How am I going to make it if I do this? Oh, listen, that's still small voice that comes with the Word. Yeah. The Word. You say, I heard a voice tell me this. If it's contrary to the Word, it wasn't God's voice. Amen. God's voice comes through the Word. Then Abraham walked out there to the voice and still small voice of God, to the word of God, and take the life of his own son. He said, stay your hand, Abraham. I know you love me now. All those after you. Hallelujah. All those that come after you, that's willing to take my word. It'll be your seed, and they shall possess the gate of the enemy. Wish I could had time to tell you something that happened a few days ago. Of what taking place. Oh, my. Shall possess the gate of the enemy. Your seed after you. Abraham, who blesses you will be blessed. And who curses you will be cursed. Jesus said, It is better for a millstone to be hanged at your neck and to drown in the depths of the sea. And these organizations, it turns out those godly men, because they've taken a stand for truth, the Word, and the Spirit and power of God, and staying with the Word, you see what happens? You're drowned in the sea of forgiveness. Better that a millstone is hanged at your neck and drowned in the depths of the sea than to even offend the least of these anointed ones. What are the Abraham seeds staying with the Word of promise? Some of our churches are getting to a place they deny. They deny divine healing. They don't want it in their church anymore. That's right, our Pentecostal organizations. Don't want no more divine healing. What is it? Don't you see how the devil's worked? He's got around there and said some bogus things along like that. And just intellectual man thinking they're spiritual. And look at that and say, look at that one. Look at that one. I ain't looking at that. If you're Abraham's seed, you'll look at the promise of God. What God said to do about it. That's it. Abraham's seed. 
We look at a promise. I don't care how many falls this way and how many falls that way. The promise remains true. You've got to come through those testings. Yes. Abraham first tested and then sealed. <laughs> then given the promise that his seed should possess the enemy's gate. I like that. Then they possessed their enemy's gates after they were tested. The thing of it is we can't stand the testing. That's the reason that our organizations cannot stand the test. It is not the will of God. It's that God has blessed it. But it isn't the will of God because, see, you've got a whole company of man here. Well, whole companies of ideas. And they pool them together and come out with the best they can. Some of them say, this is a big man. You can't deny his word. Well, that's the same way the Catholic Church is organized. Same thing upon a bunch of intellectual believers. Intellectuals. They look at it, corporate with the times. You can't do that. Everything else is a lie, but God's word. Abraham never looked at one thing but God's promise. Regardless of what was, he stayed with God's promise. Then that's the reason we don't find more. An organization can't possess the gate of the enemy. There's too many fangled minds in there. You've got to take an individual that possesses the gate of the enemy. You can do it if you wish to. Yes, sir. Let's try a few for a few minutes. See if they stay in the scripture. Now, there was a time down in Babylon when there was an image set up, pretty type of the Catholic Church. And all that didn't bow down to that image would be burned in a fiery furnace. Now, it was a showdown whether it was going to stay when God said, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me or make any image of anything. That's what God said. The showdown come. All the rest of Israel fall right in, and when the trumpet sounded and the and the palstry sounded and the uh, flute sounded. Well, they all fell down before this image, but there were three of them that said nothing to them. They heard that still, small voice. And they stayed lying with the Word. What did they do? Stay with the Word? And after they, they, they said, if you don't do it, we'll give you another chance. Or we'll throw you in a fire furnace. They said, our God is able to deliver us from that fire furnace. But nevertheless, we'll stay with the Word. Now, brother, what about you? What will I do, Brother Branham? Stay with the Word. Stay with the promise. My church will all walk away from me. Stay with the promise. They'll have to fail go away someday anyhow, but God won't. Stay with the promise. Well, I tell you, they'll kick me out. Stay with the promise. Amen. It's the same. Stay right with the promise. Now, if you can stay with the promise and stay there, stay right with them, man. Fellowship with everybody. But now here... Now, you'll never win any other way besides fellowshipping with everybody. You got to, now, when it gets so bad to immorally, then stay away from it. That's right. Don't get on the enemy's territory. But as long as you're trying to win your brother, that's different. See? Now, watch. But you'll never win the opinion of the organization. One person. No, sir. When they got their rules set, we believe this, period. If you write up your doctrine, we believe this, comma, it'd be different. A period means we believe this and you've got to come to this and sign this paper. Or that's all of it. Amen. But if you say we believe this, comma, plus as much as we can learn from God. We're open to the Holy Spirit. Then you're going on, brother. <laughs> yes, that's going to be different now. But you see, if you got it roped with a period, any God gives something, another comes up, it proves to be His Word and the truth, you can't move. Because it's period, that ends it. That's where the Luthers died. That's where the Methodists died. That's where the Baptist died. That's where the Presbyterian died. And there's where the Pentecostal are dying. That's right. That's right. They die right there. 
This is because it's already wrote out. There's nothing you you can add to it or take from it. It's, it's there. That's your doctrine. Luther could not accept sanctification. No, sir. He doesn't said just you live by faith. Not Martin Luther, but that group that followed him. That's right. Not John Wesley, but the group that followed him. That's right. Not Calvin, but the group that followed him. Not John Smith of the Baptist Church who prayed so hard at night time till his eyes would swell shut for his church and his wife would have to lead him out and feed him with a spoon at the table. Not him, but this bunch of Baptists that follows him. Organization that come behind him. Not Alexander Campbell, but those who followed him. Not the Pentecostal move at the beginning who had all things in common and fellowship with everybody, but the groups that come and say, no, we're this and we're this and these are issues and that's that. Separating himself seemingly not having a faith. Right. That's what did it. There's the evil thing. Amen. I feel religious. <laughs> the ch- Hebrew children, after they had stood the test where they would stay for the word of promise or not, they were put to a trial. And what did they do? They possessed the gate of the enemy. <laughs> Why? They stayed on the word. Stay with the word, that voice of God that speaks to you. Now, all reason says, now look, Babylon, it wouldn't be no different because we, when we bow before this image, we're worshiping God anyhow. Well, if we do it this way, we mean it this way, do it the way God said it. What if God said to Moses, Take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. He said, Thank you, Lord. I sure believe in you. I'll just take off my hat and sit. It's too much trouble to unlace my shoes. <laughs> it would never work. He said, Shoe. He didn't say hat. Right. Got to come line by line. What God says and line up with His Word. Now, after they had had the test, they possessed the gate of the enemy of fire. They found out when they went right down to the end, staying on God's Word, they possessed the gate. That's right. After Daniel, there had been a proclamation went forth and signed by the Medes of Persians that could not be changed, that if anybody prayed to any other god, let him be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel knew that God's word was to pray to him only. So he just opened up the windows and prayed anyhow. Now he never got back in a corner. He opened up the windows towards the temple. He wasn't ashamed of it. We don't want to practice our religion on Sunday and Monday, do something else, or believe in a heart one thing, come before somebody else and say, well, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Be what you are. You're not, get out of the pulpit, get out of the church. That's right. Because you're an indebtedment to both. Say what you are. Say what you believe. Then you have nothing to back up from. You're standing just exactly what's true. Everybody knows your colors. Man will appreciate you. Any man. A woman might be as ugly as all get out. She might be big, fat, little, skinny, black-headed, brown-eyed, blue-eyed, gray-eyed, one one way and one the other. But if that woman is clean, lady, then a man in the country ought to take off his hat to him. He's got an ounce of money. Right? Because she's, she produces what she is. And man appreciates it. So God appreciate a man that'll be what he is or a man that professes Christianity. Let's be a Christian 
Fill with the Holy Ghost with the Word of God or forget about it. Right. Because otherwise you become hypocrisy, living a different life, and people seem to run out here to dances and smoking and things like that and claiming to be a Christian and see you put a stumbling block in the other's way. See you women sometimes how they cut their hair and dress and act in these little uh, dresses don't look like a skin down weenie or something, going out there on the street, walking around, heels about that high, mincing down the street. Is that Pentecostal? Then the, the other churches say they claim they've got something that they haven't. Right. You are sealed and marked by the Holy Ghost. You're not in a dance hall tonight and hugged up in some man's arms and not your husband the next night and come back to church and dance all over the place. That's not Pentecostal. That's hypocrisy. Bill, I'm not so much saying it to you, but you realize these tapes have made here goes over the world. Go ahead, I just preached like this to the whole world. When I feel God saying say something, you just say it because I don't know where it's going to. That's up to Him to take care of that. Just stay with the Word. That's right. All right. No, Daniel would not bow down to their proclamation. Whether you stole out of the organization or not. He stayed right at the window and stayed with the Word of God. He wasn't ashamed of it. What happened? They throwed him into a lion's den, but he possessed the gates of the lion's den. Why? Glory! Because that God said, Your seed shall possess the gate of the enemy. Or what the enemy is, you've got the gate. Oh, how many times can we... Look at Moses, falling in the line of God's commandments, went out into Egypt. Looked like everything was contrary. He had some impersonators that went with him. He went out with a couple of uh, signs to show that he was sent. Throwed down a serpent and so forth like that. And here come the impersonators along, throw theirs down. What could he do? Nothing. God never told him he was going to do that. He wanted to test Moses. He was the one who permitted Jamish and Jamish to throw down their serpents or their rods. So there stood Moses in the line of duty. Throwed down his rod. It turned into a snake and said, look at that, Pharaoh. That's what my Lord told me to come do before you. Pharaoh said, come here, Jamish and Jamish. They throwed their rods down. They turned into snakes. What was Moses did? What's his face right No, sir. He still believed God sent him. He stayed with that promise. And what happened? That's when you're before the, some of your conference meetings. <laughs> your face might turn red a little bit. Stay with the Word. What happened? All at once, this big cobra of Moses come around and swallowed them up. God vindicated him. After his test, he said, I want you by this sign to let them children go out yonder. I want you to send them back home where they belong. God, come down here, tell, send me down here to deliver them. I want them to go back. He throwed that down there. Oh, the test comes. Moses, what are you going to do? Turn around and walk away and say, well, I might have been wrong. No, sir, Moses stood right there. God commissioned this. Glory. God says anything, stay with it. No matter what takes place, stay with it. If they punch out and say we won't cooperate, won't do this, stay with it. Moses stayed right with it. What happened? He possessed the gate of his enemy. Hallelujah. 
The devil said, I'll stretch the dead sea in front of you. But it opened up. They couldn't keep him in Egypt no longer. He possessed the gate of the enemy. Why? Because he stayed with the commission God gave him. The commandments of God, he stayed with God's word. And he possessed the gate of the enemy. Joshua, after he went through a test, he had been down there, probably swam across Jordan, him and Caleb, with the spies. When he come back up from the Jordan, they got up to Kadesh Barnea. And all of them said, oh, if we start, that'll break our organizations to pieces. We just can't go. That spirit don't die. Oh, we can't have that. If we teach that to our people, uh, what would we do? We'd take half the deacons in the church out. They are married twice, three times. <laughs> what would we do we, what, if we told our women they had to wear long hair? You know what they'd do? They'd leave the church. <laughs> and what would we do? What would we consider old-fashioned? Jesus is old-fashioned, too. We can't do that. We can't do that. It's too much for us. You know what a borderline believer gets to? Hebrews, the sixth chapter, explains that. He which was once enlightened, been made partakers of the Holy Ghost, then fall away to redeem himself again. You come to that borderline and refuse to go over. That's it. Refuse to completely believe. Because what did Caleb do? What did Joshua do? He said, we're more than able to take it. Why? They stayed with what God promised. Well, they said, that mother said, well, they're giants. They got all walled in there this way. Oh, we couldn't touch them in no way. Joshua said, we're more than able to do it. Quiet, you people. Shut up. Sit down. <laughs> I tell you, faith is a great big thing when it comes on the Word of God. He's not afraid then. Faith got hairs on the chest, big muscles. It says, shut up. Everything else scoots to the corner. Try it when God speaks. He abide me in my words and you. Say what you will. There you are. Oh, I like that. Mm. Devils will tremble and sinners awake. Faith in Jehovah will anything shake. How can you have faith when you know you're not working, walking in His Word? When you know these things are that you ought to say and you don't say it. These things are you ought to teach and you don't teach it. There's things are that you can't say. And how can you have faith when you know you're wrong? If our heart condemns us not, there you are. There you are. But stay with our Word where there's nothing condemned. There's no condemnation of them. It's in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Spirit leads with the Word. Because the Spirit can only come out of the Word because His Word is Spirit. And it can only, the real true Spirit of God can only speak the Word of God. Oh, my, my. Get away, world. Satan, leave us. Don't be afraid to stay to this mountain and be moved. Say it! Stay there and watch her crumble. That's right. But you got any condemnation there, you better, better keep still. You're just babbling now. You're not saying the truth. You're not saying the things that you should say. All right. We find out then that Joshua, after he went through that test, he'd seen the evidence of a good land. And he stood there at Kadesh Barnea and complained against all of them and said, we're more than able to take it. We can take it. What was the idea? Cross over. What was Moses' idea? Show this sign and bring the children out. And it looked like it failed. But he stayed with the word. And the gate of the Dead Sea could not hold him. He went right on to it. He possessed the gate of the enemy. Joshua, looking at the promise of God, said we're more than able to take it. That's right. And when he come down to the Jordan, what did she do? She gave away. 
That's it. He possessed the gate of the enemy. That Jordan was keeping him back from going over and taking that promise. But when he got down there, he was a seed of Abraham. Why? He believed God's word. That's the only way he could be a seed of Abraham. Is believe God's word. And then what did he do when he come down to where he was ready to take the enemy? God opened up the gate and he possessed it and took it. Went over it. When the first battle, his first uh, conflict he had with them, the walls were so big they could run a chariot race on top of them. How's he going in to get them? They run from him, got back inside. The enemy will do too. But you'll take the gate of the enemy. He said, Lord, what must I do? He's walking around one afternoon meditating. He's seen a man standing with his sword drawn. Joshua pulled his sword and said, Are you for us? Are you for our enemy? He said, I'm the captain of this hope. What must I do? March around it 13 times. Sound of trumpet. You'll take the gate of the enemy. She fell down. Yes, sir. Why? He was a seed of Abraham. It kept the word of God. He taken every gate that come to him. Certainly. It's getting late. I gotta quit. Look, all these precious heroes. Got a page full of them row down here. But all these precious heroes, the things that they did, they finally died. But then come the real faith seed, the royal seed of Abraham. Jesus. A promise. Abraham had Isaac, true, as the flesh. But the real seed wasn't in that organization system. It was in that promise of God's Word that He'd make him a father of nations, not through Isaac, but through the royal seed, Jesus. That was a royal seed, which actually the seed of Abraham, Jesus, was not a Jew. Neither was he a Gentile. He was God. <laughs> See, the, you Catholics here, bless your heart. But when you worship Mary as a goddess, what's the matter with you anyhow? Mary wasn't nothing but a woman. God chose her. She's an incubator. That's all an incubator. That's what a woman is. But she's associated with the seed of the man. But it's a mixed audience, but I've got to say this so you'll understand what I'm talking about. Now you listen to your, your doctor and I'm your brother. Surely you can. Mary had no pollen in Christ. There was no sexual feeling when the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. Not a bit. But God Almighty, the Creator, created the blood cell and the pollen. If it was pollen from Mary, then the dead rise not. Glory! That just come fresh. I just caught that. <laughs> then if you say there's no difference what we do, then why did God tell us to abstain from things wrong? Why did God raise up the body of Jesus if it isn't so? So you see, there could not be a woman connected into it. If there was, then his body was after his mother Mary. Because she had a sexual affair by an overshadowing of a spirit that caused her to, to discharge a sperm. And it's wrong. The Holy Ghost by immaculate conception. Hallelujah. There he created both spirit of man and woman. Did Jesus call her mother? Find it in the Scripture. He called her woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woman. That's fresh. That's the reason it's doing me the way it's doing. 
Woman, behold your son. Many miles closer to her than he was. He was God. You're neither Jew nor Gentile. He was God, both flesh and body. God dwelling in him. God dwelling in the sperm of a woman. Couldn't do it. That sperm of the woman had to have something to do with our flesh. But it was the blood plus the sperm that God overshadowed. He could put it on the stump if he wanted to. Yes, sir. He could put it anywhere he wanted to. But he brought it because of the woman being in the fall. There come forth the immaculate Son of the living God, created, virgin born, both body and soul. Why did David say, I will not see my holy, uh, let my holy one see corruption. My holy one see corruption, neither will I leave his soul in hell. David said that. See, both soul, body, and spirit was created of God by him. The woman was not a mother. It was a woman. I believe she's a good holy woman. Absolutely. She had never been an incubator. God would have never chosen an old dirty incubator. Lord willing, I'm preaching on that tonight. But uh, was, uh, an old dirty incubator to bring, his, to bring his son to the earth in. He chose a virgin. Knowing not a man, neither did she have any sperm discharge or anything else when the Holy Ghost overshadowed her because God in his immaculate, infinite way created in her soul, body, and spirit of Jesus Christ. That's right. He was a virgin-born son of God. What did that do? It broke the gate of the enemy. Hallelujah. This is getting good to me. Look. Why? He broke the gate of the enemy right there. That every man that's born in this world by sexual desire that could not go to heaven because sex is what started in the beginning in the Garden of Eden why they cover themselves up. When he did that, he broke that thing in two right there and possessed the gate of the enemy by what? Taking the royal seed of Abraham at the very first time and smashed it to the bottom. The royal seed of faith and promise. Not a conception of Mary, but of God. Broke the gates. That's what the human being passed through the gates. Glory to God. What did he do? Then took all the gates of the enemy. He took the gate of sickness. Sickness could not exist in his presence. No, sir. Neither could anything else exist in his presence. A funeral procession could not stand in his presence. <laughs> what did he do? Joshua died. Moses died. All the rest of them died, but not this royal seed. Death cannot stand where life was. That woman from Nan coming out with her boy stopped and said, Rise up, son. That girl that was dead, Jeriah's daughter, he spoke a word back at her into the unknown world out there and said, Daughter, arise! Lazarus was dead four days and his body rocked. And his soul been away from it for four days. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Glory. There he is. What did he do? He broke the seals of everything. Hallelujah. When he had to die then, he could not hold that life. He would never die. But he had to give that life. And when he gave that life, he died a death. And his precious soul, as the Bible said, descended into hell to take my place and your place. 
the royal seed of Abraham. The what? He was the royal seed. Glory! Now we are the royal seed. What? To stay with the word. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Don't you see where the royal seed lies? The royal seed is that stays with the word. You weaklings that's willing to compromise with the devil or the fashions of the world. I'm not speaking of Out there, you preachers that knows that you preach the days of miracles is past. You preach there's no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Shame on you and call yourself the seed of Abraham. The royal seed stays with the word. Royal seed, not born by man, nothing to do with man or woman. The woman is the church, nothing to do with the church. Mary had nothing to do with the seed. Neither has the church, so-called organization, got anything to do with the seed. It's born of what? Not of an organization. Not Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian. Catholic, Lutheran, and so forth. But born of the royal seed of the promise of God. That's the one that takes the gate of the enemy. It's already been tough for him. For if ye abide in me and my word in you, ask what you will. It'll be done for you. There you are. It's the promise. It's already done. His precious soul descended into hell. For I ought to win. But on that third day, Samson taking the gate of the city on his back had nothing to do with it. He took the gates of hell, the gates of the grave, and everything else. He didn't pack it up on the mountain, but he destroyed it. Hallelujah! He possessed the gate of the enemy. The atmospheres that was filled with the devil's power above, that angels or nothing could come down. There could not be no intercession because the blood of goats would not take away sin, but his own blood took away sin. And he ascended on high. Led captive captive and give gifts unto man. Now, every one of Abraham's seed that's willing to pay the price to come down and repent of their sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Refill with the Holy Ghost and stand the test. And when you get the world out of here, the things that's gone, everything that's wrong, everything that seems wrong, like the women with their hair, the men with their carrying on, and the churches with their organizations, and the... And the a pastor that'll cater to his deacons and, and all those kind of things. Some worldly bunch of something that'll get in there and cause a poor pastor to kick him out of the church. Go on, pastor. God bless you. Stay right with the word. Take nothing. He sent it on high. What do you do? He cut a hole, a gate. That's a prayer of this seed of Abraham. Why? Why? If we be the body of Christ, if we are dead, we reckon ourselves dead and buried in Christ and raised with Him in resurrection. He is the head of the body. Where the head is, the body's with it. And then this morning where everyone that did that is seated with Him in heavenly places with the royal seed. Praise God. No gate. You can't pray this far and say, oh, there's a word. Uh -uh, I closed you off right there. But if our heart condemneth not, the 
We know that we're walking in the commandments of God. We see our lives cleaned up. We see that every word that God commanded, we keep it. Then the gates of every enemy is possessed. Then ask what you will. And it'll be done for you. You shall possess the gate of his enemy. Oh, brother, what a church that would be. When I come back again to Phoenix, if the Lord permits me, I hope when I walk into this tabernacle that these pews will be lined. And every pew in the full gospel movement in this city will be lined with saints of the living God. Look like Christians. Talk like Christians. Act like Christians. With the Spirit of God moving among them where one would send the Holy Spirit call it out right then. It'll do it. You sit in the prayer lines up here on the altar. Where say you go back there and make that right with your husband. Go tell your wife that you was out night before last that woman sitting on a certain certain place. If it'll do it, yes. A walking in the word, listen to that still small voice, it'll do it in you. You're Abraham's seed. Then no sin. Preacher, wouldn't you like to see that in your church? Walk in this church and look down along the earth, see both men and women, godly, saintly, sitting there just charged with the power of God. Sin cannot walk in. A man walk in and sit down, the Spirit raised up and say, John Jones, he come from so-and-so city, a certain, certain place, he's sure to find healing for his body. See, He did a certain thing at a certain place, he did this, he take, has to take this back and make this right, then God will heal him of that cancer. Thus saith the Lord. Give me a church. Give me ten men. Fill really jewels of God. The royal seed. Put that man together and watch what will take place. Give me this little house full of people like that and I'll show you a light that the world will run to it. That's what God wants us to be. Your city sitting on a hill. Your royal seed of Abraham. It shall possess the gate of its enemy. Sickness, there's a cause for sickness. There's a cause for these things. And God the Holy Spirit is sure to reveal that thing. To tell you why you don't get it. What's the matter with it? We don't have to wonder, will it do it? It's already doing it. What do you do? What's that prophet? He listens, not to the Russian wind. Glory to God, hallelujah. That's good. Now remember, I'm not condemning that. I hope everybody understands that. Somebody said, Brother Brandon, don't believe in saying glory to God, hallelujah. Well, look at me up here now. I believe in shouting, speaking with tongues, dancing in the Spirit. But brother, when you fail to hear that still, small voice of the Word, that's the thing that gets you. That's the thing. Elijah knew all this revival was going on outside, but he was, it never attracted him outside to it. But when he heard that still, small voice of God, then he was attracted. And he veiled his face. Come out. Why? Elijah was the seed of Abraham, following the word. If ye abide in me, my words in you, then ask what you will, and it will be done for you. Let's bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Oh, church. How when I get to preaching, I got high feet. The Spirit drops away from me, and I look back. 
see people that would actually go down in their pocket and take food from their children to give it to them. I see little women here, maybe with short hair. What would they do? They'd do anything in the world for me that they could. Man living with a wife like that, and me just cutting to pieces with that word. Hurting. Conscience has dropped down. Yet that man would go out here and slave and send me his time. Right. That makes me feel okay, got back to the flesh then. You feel what what a thing. I don't mean to hurt. It's not that. But oh brother, my darling little sister and brother. If that be God's word, and this be his spirit making that word come to life to you, what will it be at the day of the judgment? I'm trying to get you ready for that day. Please. Please, just take his word. If I ever preach anything that's not the word, a promise of God, then you've got a right to come to me. But that's the word. And it's because I love you. It isn't because I'm, I don't want you in the boat. It's because the boat won't pass you through. You're going to crash up one of these days, and you've got to come to judgment. Guilty the least is guilty the whole. And when you know anything is right to do it, and it's the word of God and a promise to do it, and then you don't do it. Then what about it? You'll be asked to give a reason. What then? When this message this morning faces you, you're on the screen at the day of judgment. What about it? Think of it, friends. You may die before the day's over. All of us, in one thing, sure, you're going to die. I stood the other day watching my mother, me holding her on my arm. I helped my dad a little before that and watch him go. I've seen them come down the end of the road who thought they were really all right. The old brother ran. Oh, if I could only live a little longer. Too late then. And remember, death doesn't change the soul. It only changes the dwelling place. And if you see that something within you, be reasonable now. If you see that something within you is making you act that way and feel that way like you ought not to feel, repent this morning, will you, friend? Come be, you don't have to be like that. You're a miserable person. Live a true royal seed life. God wants you today. Will you raise your hand while your head bowed in the heart? Say, Brother Branham, I raise my hand to God. Honestly, from my heart, that's what I want to be. That's really what I want to be. I've, I've got messed up out here and everything else, but really, I, I want to be like that. I want to be what you've been talking about this morning. Pray for me, Brother Branham. I'm raising my hands to God. Not to you, Brother Bram, but to God. And in my heart, he knows my heart, I long to be the kind of Christian you're talking about, a royal seed of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Raise your hand now and say, I'll pray for you, Brother Bram. God bless you. God bless you. Surely he'll do it for you. Our Heavenly Father, in the light of thy word, in the power of thy resurrection, and I realize, Lord, that poor people many times got twisted up out here through different... Uh, the people hardly knows what to do. One coming saying one thing and one coming saying another. And here in Phoenix, this great uh, city of, of, well, tourists, where everything from across the nation drifts into it, both physically and spiritually. 
standing on the mountain the other day and thinking how many times God's name is used in vain in a day down here, how many adulteries that's committed, how much sin is mucked in the streets here and bar rooms and bar flies and everything. Many of them professing to be believers, Christians, women going down the street with a cigarette in their hand, walking with immoral clothes on when you said it stinks before you, it's an abomination. Like an old, dirty, filthy, stinking urinal somewhere. Oh, God, how could a woman that came to have the Holy Ghost do such a thing and know that in the Savior's nose that smells like that? Thinking, how could he have such a thing as that in his kingdom? Father, that they only knew they were a million miles from it. I pray, God, have mercy. No one wants to go to that region of the lost. No one wants to go down there, Father. Far be it from any of us going. Yet down in there is a good heart in that person, that man, that woman. A man or woman is charitable and nice and kind. And has just been deceived by the devil. The devil done that. Satan, I'm against you because you're an enemy of my Lord. You're an enemy of his word. And I charge thee by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as a mortal being, knowing that I have no power within myself. I haven't power to stop you. I haven't power to make any of these women clean up, any of these men that listen to this tape or, or wherever. I have no way of making them clean up. I'm powerless. But I do have the authority of God's Word as a servant to preach it and duty bound to that authority. Neither this policeman out here has power to stop a car, but he has authority to do it. Satan, you might as well go squeak in your brakes. Because I charge thee by Jesus Christ that you turn these people loose throughout the world, wherever this message may go. Turn them loose. I claim them that they are bought, they're not their own. They're bought with the price of the royal seed of Abraham, the Lord Jesus. Thou filthy, dirty, stinking hypocrite, deceiver of man, leading us blindly into the ditches of hell. Turn them loose. I charge thee by the living God, by the sacrifice of his son Jesus, that you turn them loose, that their souls may be charged with his blessing and with his presence that they might possess the gate of every enemy. You've got them waiting for this, that, or the other, or some holy touch or something else. But I'm saying you're going to lose your hope. How could sickness stand in anointing like this? Only when they refused to look down at the promise like Father Abraham did. When he could see him in a figure hundreds of years away coming. Turn him loose. In the name of Jesus Christ, let them people go. May the power of God, the understanding of the word, as they're washed this morning by it, May the understanding of keeping God's word and his promises true, a hope that cannot be broken by Satan. 
May each one lay a hold of that promise. Say, this is it. I'm holding to it. God made the promise. I'm the seed of Abraham. How can I doubt his promise? Move right on. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I love him. Been cutting this morning for him. Let's worship now sweetly. not sacrilegious, certainly not. This is, a, is religious. Let's raise our hands to him we love and say, I love him. God expressed to you what I mean. While we sing that again, just turn around and shake hands with somebody. This will all men know that you're my disciples when you have love one for the other. I The word is a cleansing process. Just scours you out. 
makes you a new creature, takes away all. The Word is sharper than a two-edged sword circumcising, cutting away all the things of the world. See, Then we feel clean, scoured out, accepting Him, believing Him. That's how we can sing, I love Him, I love Him, because He first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary. That's beautiful. I just love it with all my heart. See? Let's try it again, everybody now. Reel to the top of your voice now. I, I love you. I 